Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Dow coming off a three-day skid, but futures are solid as Q4 earnings heat up. Decent guidance, plenty of optimistic COVID headlines, including news from J&J, Lilly, Regeneron, and Pfizer. November Case-Shiller home prices up 9.5 year-on-year. Our roadmap begins with a focus on fundamentals. Dow Components 3M, Verizon, Amex, J&G among the companies reporting results this morning. Stay tuned for interviews with Raytheon CEO Greg Hayes and 3M's Mike Roman. Plus, we continue to have some optimism regarding COVID vaccines. President Biden ups his daily jabs target, and J&J expects his trial results as soon as next week. And, of course, we're still watching short squeezes. Yeah, short sellers are down $91 billion in January. Of course, GameStop is just one of many stocks that have been soaring on these engineered short squeezes, Carl, that we, of course, spent a good amount of time discussing yesterday. Yep, and we'll discuss again today, guys. But, Jim, you said it best before the top of the hour. Uh, this is a nice opportunity to maybe set aside the GameStop uh, myopia and focus on some uh, companies that have broader implications for stocks. Look, it, it, it's fun to focus on GameStop. It's just this great diversion. It's kind of like a, a WWE. But here's the deal. When I look at these numbers, J&J, when I look at Raytheon, uh, when I look at uh, 3M, what I say is, how can these guys pull it off? When I look at GE, I'm thinking, Houdini, miraculous. This is incredible. Can I just say that when you look at Raytheon and you look at General Electric, David, has it occurred to you that nobody's flying and yet they're crushing it when it comes to aviation? Yeah, well, crushing it, yeah. Give us more, Jim. When you talk okay. about aviation, are you speaking specifically about which company or both? Both. Because GE obviously succeeded in part by cutting costs in other areas and by great, uh, real actual growth in renewables right. in that area. And Raytheon cut a tremendous amount of costs. I'm just saying that if you adjust the baseline, it's surprising that they didn't have a dramatic fall off versus last year, which was an amazing quarter. Uh, Larry Culp, correctly, you point out that the wind business, the hydrogen uh, turbine business, uh, it, these are growing businesses now, healthcare growing business. The free cash flow of both these companies, Raytheon and GE, is rather surprising. Carl, the, the tone is being set once again by companies that are doing much better than we thought. And it makes you feel like, wait a second, the market went up a lot. Maybe it should have. I'm not, I'm not talking about GME, a GameStop. I'm not talking about Bed Bath & Beyond or BlackBerry. These are big companies. And, Carl, these are astounding numbers. Uh, it's true, Jim. And it takes us back to the narrative we've been talking about for months. That is a big corporate cost-setting reset 
Um, and then to your point about industrials and healthcare, look at look at 3M's uh, individual silos: safety, industrial up 11, consumer up almost 10, cons- uh, healthcare up better than six. That's a good example of what we're talking about. Yeah, but I look at those. I mean, you know, we could have looked at these same numbers from 3M and seen negative seeing minuses. Mike Roman is beginning to work his magic. And I say magic, it's just because it's, David's right. Uh, it's cost takeout. I, by the way, I, I don't know how much, uh, how it's even possible that, that Greg Hayes is taking out more costs. But you look at these businesses and you're seeing organic sales grew in medical solutions for 3M. Organic sales move in automotive. How about this? Organic sales in aerospace. Of course, transportation safety. David, uh, we yeah. have to start thinking about the fact that maybe there is a moment in this economy where let's say there's a pause. Let's say 20 to 21 are just pause years. And we get back to, we get to 2022, which I think people will be looking at. There could be some ma- amazing, reasonable expectation about why the multiple expanded for the S&P 500. There could be, without a doubt. Um, and I mean, this is just, these are just a handful of, the, we've got so many more companies this morning, whether it's Verizon or J&J or American Express. But I did want to come back, though, Jim, to this. Let's not forget, uh, Raytheon's cut a lot of jobs. GE's cut a lot of jobs. So when you talk about a, um, a recovery in the economy, 16,500 headcount reduction, roughly 20% of commercial aerospace reduction at, uh, at Raytheon headcount and structural assets. They had to. They had 4,500 contractor roles They all took pay cuts. More than a 55% reduction. Furloughs, hiring freezes. By the way, all of which they needed to do to be able to complete their $2 billion of cost initiatives that they undertook last year. Obviously, this is things we'll discuss with Greg Hayes. We always appreciate him being fairly forthright when it comes to these kinds of issues. But let's not forget, Jim, there's a lot of jobs that are no longer there. And that's why some of these numbers are looking better and being applauded by investors. They also did cut R&D. We've got to mention that. But then they also had a merger with Raytheon. So they had actual cost takeout. Yes. But, and there's some synergies. Right. Right. Uh, they as had well, but, synergies, they, but, but David, you're right. I mean, did, are they growing their way out of the situation? No, they're cost cutting the way out of the situation. Is GE growing out of it? I could say they're cost cutting. 3M is growing out of it. And I think that we have to distinguish. J&J is just doing its thing. Uh, but I think these companies are remarkable. Carl, I'm not saying celebrate the earnings at a time when a lot of people are losing their jobs. I am saying I can't believe how much money these companies can make. When you look at J&J, it was only up a dollar initially. And I'm thinking, has anyone read through the line items? I mean, look at this company. It was down that dip. That dip was caused by talc. It was your last buying opportunity. Alex Gorski has done magnificently, and now they're teasing us on the, well, I should, that's not fair. They're going to have some yeah. information, but 100 million of vaccine, uh, yeah. of vials? You know, Carl, I'm coming yeah. back to my glut in Q2 of inoculation. Glut of vaccines. Yep. yep. I, I do want to give you some credit, Jim, because um, – Uh, The CFO this morning talked about uh, data that he says should be coming next week. Here's what he said on Squawk. With the the trial itself, right, we uh, plan to report out uh, by early next week in terms of our results. Uh, As you know, it's a a very robust uh, 45,000-person study across eight countries and three different continents. Uh, We do have some of these new strains potentially captured in our data as we had sites in South Africa as well as Brazil. So we'll let the scientists do their work there. Wow. 
There's been a lot of hand-wringing, Jim, um, about J&J, and certainly Merck didn't help this week, but you've been pretty confident that they were going to come through. And, of course, the most important thing on J&J, one shot. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to their scientists uh, uh, who really didn't have time to speak to me, so I, I don't want to say that I got the expansive, but it is pretty clear their level of confidence was high. Uh, obviously, the question is, can they do the 95 at uh, 95%? I mean, I took the Moderna and I, I listened to once again to the unbelievable work that Meg is doing. Felt quite confident, but obviously they're not a lot of Moderna. Can you imagine if J&J has even 90 percent in one shot? We get this economy moving. We save lives. We do some real things, particularly if we expand testing and make it so that uh, if we find out that we're sick, we get the Regeneron. More great reporting by Meg. And I'm starting to feel like, you know what? That wall that I'm looking at should have more green, not less, because there's a lot of things that would go right in the fourth quarter if J&J delivers. And, and, you know, David, there yeah. is some there's some. Do you remember, David, a year ago when people said it's got to take at least four years yeah. because the mumps vaccine took yeah. four years? And what could have been easier to conquer than mumps? This thing is a growing virus that is far worse than it was. And yet these people come on with a degree of confidence that why bother? Why not just say, oh, we got to look at that. David, science is triumphing. I was made fun of in the New York Times because they said science is going to triumph. I was, I was, uh, they said that I was like Otter at, at Faber College mm. in Animal House. I don't feel like Otter. Not that I feel like Team Warmer. No. But, but I, and not that I feel like Einstein no. or Schweitzer, and but I feel like a, a person who bet on these companies. And, and you, it's been proven to be you right. You have been correct. And you know that drunk, fat, and stupid is no way to go through life. And you've made it a point not to. I'm on the couch. I'm one of those three. Move over. They were the smart guys. Um, there's no doubt. Uh, and you're right. Listen, we've talked a lot about the, you know, this has been a dark, dark period coming up on soon. It'll be a year. But one yep. of the bright shining lights has been science's ability to get a vaccine to the market far quick, more quickly than anybody might have anticipated a year ago, uh, yeah. Jim. And by the way, no refrigeration either on J&J. Yet another plus for it. Remember, Moderna needs a fairly right. low temperature. Pfizer needs a really low temperature. J&J, I believe, room temperature, right? Yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a, a refrigerator next door. I got the, uh, the Moderna. Yeah. I mean, to me, it looked like, hey, you know, one of those refrigerators you have when you're a college dorm. Yeah. Uh, but what is absolutely <laughs> But what is incredible is that the J&J means you go to CVS and you go to Walgreens and you get shot. And remember, CVS has now done the nursing homes. So there is capacity to get this thing done. Don't forget the David Teppers of the world who team up with the Darius and Damchecks and take over these stadiums right. and start doing 10,000 a day as opposed to the 100 a day that we're doing right now. This is an opportunity for people to say, you know what? President Biden has gotten a better hand because he's going to have a lot of vaccines and they can start thinking about a bridge that's not too far, Carl. Well, they got to get them there, Jim. I mean, they've got to get it out as soon as possible, because right now, as you all know, they're not able to stage those large venues the way they had hoped to because they don't have enough vaccine no, on. Absolutely. Hand. And, and look, and and people I'm, I'm still being... having a very difficult time getting appointments and everything else. Um, wow. We're, uh, we're, no, we're, we're not out of We're ending a little That's bit early. I know. Well, we, we what, hit G, I wanna, GE's performance is very strong. I do want to come back to it, of course, given what they have been able to do. Listen, you can't blame these companies, Jim, for... For, for trying to survive in the face of what happened to aviation. No, well, that's my point. I mean, Thank I, you. I, you know, I don't want to say that, oh, they're, they're horrible actors. Of course, they had right. to do that. And, and we haven't even talked about Elon Musk and, and, and Etsy. Etsy. Heavens to, <laughs> heavens to Etsy. Carl, it's brilliant. Yeah. Etsy, we'll talk some Beyond Meat. We're going to talk to Greg Hayes of Raytheon. And we'll talk about GameStop, uh, this 
Amazing rise, the major impact it's having on short sellers. Couple downgrades today of Bed Bath. Uh, packed hour. Don't go anywhere. Back in a minute. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. GameStop's wild ride continues up again, more than doubling from a week ago. Uh, Bob Bassani has a good piece out on CNBC.com saying that short sellers are down $91 billion this month. And GameStop is obviously leading the squeeze. Bob joins us this morning to talk about it. Uh, some staggering figures here, Bob. Yeah, you know, short sellers have obviously picked the wrong stocks in January, but I think this is an important teaching moment about short sellers in general. The, the real enemy of short sellers is not the Reddit chat rooms or Robinhood, although that's a problem for them. The real enemy of short selling has been the Federal Reserve and the oceans of liquidity they have been providing, and to a lesser extent, the stimulus in the last year. That has resulted in big losses, but they have been losing money for many, many years. Most sh short sellers never make money, uh, despite the fact that we have some occasional short-selling superstars on. Uh, last year, for example, they lost $243 billion, and in January, as, as you noted, Carl, $91 billion. So is this a little? Is this a lot? Shorts at any one time are about 2% of the market value. About 2% of the market value is short. So we have a maybe $40 trillion stock market. That's about a trillion dollars short. So you lose $240 billion of $1 trillion, you know, that's a 25% loss. That's a pretty bad year for most short sellers. And yet we know that they have a lot of value. They provide a lot of value overall. They provide hedges to long portfolios and they provide liquidity for equities and those derivative traders uh, that are out there as well who take the other side of the options trade. So there's a lot of value here, Carl. For those shorts. Yeah, Bob, it's David. Of course, we always need to remind people who perhaps don't fully understand it, the, uh, the unlimited downside of shorting a stock, right? I mean, when you own a stock, particularly not on leverage, it can only go to zero. <laughs> but, but, you know, yep. you could have shorted $50 million worth of GameStop and be down $150 million. Uh, and, and that, yep. of course, is what Mr., uh, Mr. Plotkin at Melvin is sort of facing in terms of at least their decision to short a great deal of GameStop and then go and get more amazing story, really. Uh, more capital from SAC and Citadel to just continue to be in there and make sure they don't get have to have to cover, um, which is fascinating. Yeah. And it, it makes it it's very interesting because what what happens here when you get those kind of blowouts is, is actually it becomes harder to borrow the stock. So in a way, it puts a lot of pressure on different parts of the market. If you can't borrow it, uh, you're going to go out, maybe try to buy puts or something like that. It'll put pressure on the market. 
Um, and one of the interesting questions here is what's going to happen with, for example, this one-two punch that they have seen, the short sellers have seen, this ocean of liquidity that's made it really difficult to make money. But then at the same time, you have this aggressive buying of out-of-the-money calls that's been yep. occurring. And that's a sort of a one-two punch for the short sellers. I, I think most traders that I talked to said, what's going to happen here? They said, call option prices have got to rise a lot more. Uh, to sort of deal with this entire issue. And it's, even as the shorts cover, there are new shorts coming in. So it's not the death of shorts. And nobody said to me yesterday when I was calling around, said, oh, this is it. The shorts are, are toast. There were new shorts coming in yeah, in places but, like the financial area but, in the but last Bob, few days. It is, seems to be uh, a new David. strategy, though. It does seem not, I, I wouldn't say new yeah. strategy. I mean, I feel like we've seen reminiscence of this even from the late 90s with the Yahoo chat boards. But there does seem right. to be a new focus on it. I mean, I saw a stat this morning that I think has been vetted. You know, stocks with short interest of more than 5%, and this is from the retail sort of heavy option trades of those stocks, are up 40%. If you have uh, 5% or less in terms of short interest, your stock's barely up this year. Yeah. So, y y yes. So this is that one-two strategy I always mentioned. So you're right. But in a lot of ways, the 90s chat rooms that you and I covered are very much the same in that it's the same behavioral psychology, the same dopamine that they force off in the brain, the same herd following uh, that you have, the same uh, trend reinforcement, all of these behavioral uh, economics terms uh, is the same. But at the same time, it's very different. Remember when people used to have those old DLJ accounts back then, it was very cumbersome. And it took a, a while for people mm -hmm. to get confirmations, 20 minutes to the next day. This is very different. The technology is very different. It's a lot easier. You're sitting alone or you're sitting with your friends uh, trading stocks on your phone now. Instantaneous confirmation. And it's the same thing doing FanDuel at the same time. There's something that's qualitatively different about this compared to the 1990s, even though the psychology, the behavioral economics, the herd mentality is still the same. You know, uh, Bob, I, I was watching the action yesterday and Friday. Another difference between these people in the 90s is they're far more sophisticated. Let's give them credit. This strategy of basically buying these out-of-the-money calls and not allowing people really can't be able to hedge uh, is a, a brand new tactic. And they knew exactly what would happen if they did it. Although yesterday, a lot of people lost money because they bought calls uh, at one point for $50 for the 150 So can you talk about uh, the new strategy of really breaking the shorts and the market makers? And then how much money was lost by people who believed that this thing was going to go $200, $300 yesterday? Yeah. Well, the first problem, of course, here is, yes, it's the, the, the strategy of buying out of the money calls has been working. But remember something, Jim, this worked in 1999 until what, March 10th, 2000. Remember that day? True. Uh, so never confuse an up market with being a genius was a favorite phrase around around that time. Uh, so I think that's the most important thing to recognize right now, that, that we're dealing in an up market, guys, and this is going to quickly change strategy as soon as we see any kind of significant down market. Yeah, more dollar volume in the last two days than in the last two years uh, for GME. That's astounding. Bob, thanks. Uh, of course, Bob's piece on okay. CNBC.com. Be sure to check that out. We'll take a break here. A lot still to get to, uh, including upgraded DraftKings. We'll dig into GE, American Express, Horton, and more. Don't go anywhere. You seek the key. 
But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get to a mad dash before uh, we get to that opening bell about seven minutes from now. Horton. Right. Now, David, a lot of people obviously want to focus on a Raytheon or a J&J or a 3M, and those are all good ideas. But D.R. Horton is America's largest home builder, and homes are probably the greatest generator of earnings this quarter as people leave the city and go to the suburbs. David, 56% increase in net orders. That is staggering. There are only two months of inventory in this country. The earnings here increased 84%, so the gross margins are good, too. David, this is one of the most really just not told stories, which is the impact of COVID on the exodus of major cities to homes like D.R. Horton and Toll Brothers, which has told me it's the best it's ever, ever been. Yeah. Um, Do you listen? You know, everybody weighs in on this as to whether this is a seminal change or people are going to sort of slowly but surely kind of come back to urban areas over time once things get back to normal. I, I don't know what the answer will be or whether this will just continue. Well, given Palo the ability Alto. to work from your home now has obviously been greatly enhanced. Yeah, well, I mean, re- remember, Nikesh Aurora from Palo Alto, he's been a, really a leader, by the way, recommended by Evercore today in a spectacular recommendation. Uh, really very bullish. But he has convinced me that we're all going to be in the hybrid model. I think Zoom has said the same thing. The hybrid meaning we're not working in the central office today. We listen to what Larry Fink is saying. You want to cut back on the way, the amount of pollution. David, what you do is you have a hybrid model. If you want to have a better life, you have a hybrid model. DR Horton gives you the chance to have a hybrid model, spend time with your kids, have a better life, and not hurt the environment. So well, badly. that's not, come on. Living in a city what? is much better for the environment in many ways than living in a larger area. Well, driving, track, without track. doubt. I mean, cities are much more efficient. Well, it, it, I, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love okay. speechless. I, I, Got an opening bell just a few minutes away. You know, I'm glad it's time to go because your 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 promotional city (laughs) stuff leaves me cold. I'm just (laughs) giving you a fact. Uh, Greg Hayes, he's going to weigh in. Man, he knows so much. Maybe we'll even ask him about the efficiency of uh, of urban versus uh, versus non. Uh, We got that coming up. Watch Bed Bath today. Uh, Jim, I know you love to kick it around. Uh, Ray J, double downgrade this morning. UBS cuts to sell as well. Our call is to take profits. Uh, The recent move has tilted the risk award to the downside. They say the problems will take time to fix. Look, uh, this is one of those situations where the stock would not be where it uh, was if it weren't for the fact that there was a 67% short position and uh, there's been a kind of a big dispute right now about whether the people on Reddit 
uh, the wheat, you know, the bet situation, Wall Street bets, whether they're targeting people who are uh, the shorts or whether they're targeting just companies that they genuinely like. And we know that there's a short position again with the same company, a put position, same company that, that has GameStop. Uh, I, it is beyond me to think why people would short this thing, given the fact that Mark Tritton's doing an amazing job. But the spike yesterday, I mean, at one point it went to 40. It, that, that's not right. Uh, the company's doing well. Uh, they've got a long-term plan. But, you know, David, when you see this kind of thing, uh, you know that management is not going to endorse where it is. They're not going to say, wow, our stock's too high. But the earnings can't get you to where this is. And that does matter at a certain point. Yeah, the question is when. The question is at what, what is that certain point, which none of us know. Well, these companies are all quiet. There's no fundamental argument for GameStop being uh, seven. How many times have you called GameStop? Company? What do you mean? I call them every year. You know, I call them almost every day. Give me a little insight. Oh. But the Bed Bath guys, look, they're doing a great job. Yes. Are they getting the stock where it's up over time? Yes. Should it go to 3840? No. So please be careful, those who go in and buy it, betting that the short's going to get them to where they have to go. That's, you know, this is not beyond me. Holy cow, talk about shorts. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, uh, Beyond Meat was up 20% pre market, then 30%, uh, Jim, as they got this new partnership with Pepsi. Uh, to develop a platform and innovate on plant-based products over time. That's a lot of um, marketing know-how and manufacturing know-how yeah, out of Pepsi. I, I was going back and forth with, with Ethan Brown. Who, you know, he, I mean, with, with Ethan, is he's a genius, okay? What he believes, uh, and this is the CEO and founder, what he believes is that this may be the most important deal. And the reason is because PepsiCo is everywhere. And it's going to be for food, for snacks, all right? That is certainly what we want. And uh, also for drinks. Uh, the Should it be up this much? Once again, you know, beyond me, it has a 30% short position. Everyone thought it was losing a lot to Impossible. And, of course, it did have a problem with uh, the office space being closed in cafeterias. Uh, Not our cafeteria, which, by the way, has excellent stuff. But I do think that this is something that the shorts were not ready for. It's been many years in the making, but it's the most substantial partnership you could have because it's the number two company to Nestle's in terms of food service. David, they did it. They did it. And they did it because they have a vision. A vision. Which is? That everybody in the end is going to eat plant-based because it's better for the environment and it tastes good. It is better for the environment, you know, than other stuff. Yes, I do. Why are you so laconic about this deal? Which deal? The the Beyond Meat deal? Yeah, you're laconic. I am? I I just don't have that much to say. I'm sorry. No, you don't care. That's not true. All right, this is an innovative snack and beverage product. You should see, I've got the PepsiCo and the Beyond Meat release, Carl. This is... What people have been waiting for, a demonstrable endorsement from a large non-restaurant company with broad distribution. PepsiCo, I have to, you know, I, Ethan Brown is terrific. Now, I know he's dealt with directly with, uh, with Raymond LaGuardia. Now, LaGuardia is a visionary, and Beyond Meat is a visionary company, and he believed in, you know, those who believe in Ethan Brown, which are primarily millennials, are being rewarded today. Don't be too greedy, but congratulations. Laconic. Go Google it. I'm, trying, I'm just trying to get a quote um, up here on my. Tell machine. you what's, 
what's not laconic uh, is Etsy's uh, share price as well, Jim, uh, up 6%. It was up more than that in the pre-market, but early uh, today, I think it was, uh, Elon Musk, maybe it was last night, said, I, I just love Etsy, um, said he had ordered a Marvin the Martian product, uh, hand-knit uh, wool helm for his dog. Yeah. Uh, Jim, I guess that's, you know, the new sell-side desk. Yes, I mean, we used to have President Trump tweeting, uh, mostly negative, and now we have uh, Elon Musk tweeting, positive. Etsy is enough. Etsy, PayPal, and Square, uh, oh, uh, and Shopify represent the new economy. American Express is actually getting in there uh, because they're partners with PayPal. Remember, Dan Schulman worked at American Express. But those are the three companies that I regard as unstoppable. I got to do a piece about that, David, on mad money. Etsy, okay. Square and PayPal are defying gravity, but not because they're short squeezes. No. It's because they are the way that the millennials and Gen Xers like to buy things, and they go on Etsy because they don't like the man. So you're sticking it to the man if you sell th- buy things on Etsy. Are you? Is that part of the, uh, part of the appeal? Yeah, you're sticking it to the man. I didn't realize that. Very much so. Um. They also like it because of their growth prospects, I guess, because a lot of people are, are going to join it because apparently they want to stick it to the man. And they want to stick it to the man. Yeah. And don't forget, see, I wear this thing, right? Yes. Is, this is hideous. That is hideous. Right? It's hideous. Have you seen the beautiful, beautiful, unbelievable mask that you can get on Etsy of which they've done hundreds of millions of dollars? Uh, I have seen some of them, yes. Not and all of them. Josh Silverman, by the way, another person has who has thought about the environment. Why am I bringing up the environment? Mm-hmm. Because we just had four years where we wrecked the environment. And I'm kind of thinking maybe we can actually come. You know, Mother Nature is saying, hey, that would look be, at me. That would be nice. Uh, by the way, Larry Fink, uh, interview with, uh, with uh, Andrew Sorkin on Squawk Box Our earlier. own Andrew Sorkin. Our own Andrew Thank you. Sorkin. Thank you very much. Uh, nobody else's. He's ours. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, you know, think taking it to yet another level in terms of uh, in terms of ESG, in terms of the importance of uh, so much that is happening in asset allocation uh, and 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 where the focus is going to be for those who are receiving funds. And and he talked about it. I don't know. I think we may even have it, guys, because we, of course, talk so often. Hey, we haven't mentioned SPACs yet today. Nine thirty five. I got a couple of new SPACs that I wanted to talk about. But I'm mentioning it now in part because, of course, so much uh, so much of the capital, Jim, has gone into companies that are development companies that are developing things like batteries, for example. Now, some of it's speculative, but take a listen to Mr. Fink when he's talking about this part of the market. Amount of money that we are seeing that's moving into this space is going to continue. So for those who think we may have a bubble, there may be one or two stocks that we may have bubbles. But what I see is more and more companies and management teams are trying to move towards this space uh, faster, not slower. And and so we'll know in the next five years, you know. There will be some failures. I'm not here to suggest that everything is going to be rising perfectly. Like in everything else, when there's a new trend, we have huge winners and then we have some losers. And we will have that in this space, too. But Tesla, by the way, almost near an all-time high, uh, $883 a share. So uh, $845 billion market value, roughly, is where I've got it right now. David, the charging station space is for real. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you love the name of the, one of these, uh, which I think is a great one. Climate Change Crisis Real Impact One Acquisition Corp. That's yes, the one that did EVgo the other day. Yes, but I that's very that real, David. It's and very it real. Moved up a great deal on the announcement of that deal. Uh, all of these have uh, yes. EV box. Mm-hmm. Uh, T- that's TPG. You're familiar with TPG. You know that they're not fly. You know they're not nope. fly by night. They're not dreamers. Nope. And then EVgo doing well. This we charge the point. Power do it. Of course, we've talked a great deal about QuantumScape. These are all on the battery side. And right. The question is, how much of it is a chemistry experiment still, and how much is it really going to be able to but brought to to bear its the scale? The three I mentioned had real revenues, and the, their, pre, their you yep. know, you, you've got EV Box, ten-year-old Dutch company, hundred ninety thousand charge ports across seventy countries. That is anything, anything but pie in the sky. No doubt, uh, it's here to stay. At least for now. There, you were effusive, not laconic. Thank you. Coming up right after the break, Jim, uh, Raytheon Technologies, get ready to start that interview with CEO Greg Hayes. We always love having him on. He's live and he's first on CNBC. Let's give you a quick bond report, squeeze that in for you, and take a look at how Treasuries are faring thus far this morning. The year uh, yield on the 10-year uh, is stabilizing a bit. This after a decline yesterday, we're just a bit over 1%. The IMF raising its U.S. growth forecast for 2021 up two full points. It now sees 5.1% growth. The global outlook also revised higher. But the fund's chief economist says much depends on the race between a mutating virus and vaccines, of course, to end the pandemic. Over in Europe, political upheaval in Italy. The country's prime minister submitted his resignation to the president, who will start consultations that could lead to a new government or snap elections. We're right back. Raytheon Technologies out with an earnings beat this morning. That's actually too uh, conservative with a great earnings beat. It's giving the stock a lift. It's up 6%. Joining us now is Greg Hayes. He's the CEO of Raytheon Technologies. Greg, it's always great to see you on Squawk on the Street. Morning, Jim. How are you? Well, yeah, I got to tell you, Greg, I am thinking that the new focus this quarter is free cash flow. The free cash flow generation here is extraordinary. Much better. Much, much better than people thought. How are you doing it? So, you know, it's a focus, right? We, we started out back in April when we saw this pandemic unfolding and said, look, we've got to do something dramatic. And we, so we said, we're going to take $4 billion of cost or cash actions on top of $2 billion of cost actions. And frankly, the guys over delivered. We actually saw about $4.7 billion of cost, or I'm sorry, of cash reduction actions. That's reduced CapEx, reduced people costs, reduced E&D, and as well as improved collections from our customers, surprisingly. And so we ended the year, I think, in the fourth quarter, we had about $750 million of free cash flow. And that was after making $800 million in pension contributions, uh, which we were scheduled to do in 2021. So a really, really solid year. And as we think about 21, we're going to just about double free cash flow. It should be at least $4.5 billion. So, again, I think the, the focus on cash was important. And uh, the, the guys rallied around it and got it done. Well, Greg, when I listened to that, and I know you didn't need to make the pension, but that was smart to do. I figured that there is enough left over that you could actually do a substantial buyback for shareholders. So, look, we've got great liquidity. And I think as we ended the year with about $9 billion of cash on the balance sheet, uh, we got another billion plus. So we closed out a divestiture here in January. So we're sitting on about $10 billion of cash today. Uh, we're going to start out uh, soon with share buyback. I would expect we would be doing that, uh, if not later this week, then next week. 
You've got a placeholder for a billion and a half dollars of, uh, of share buyback this year. But again, we'll uh, we'll try and be opportunistic. We've got flexibility. We don't need all that cash on the balance sheet. We've got very few debt. I think we've got a $500 million debt redemption this year. We've got about $3 billion in dividends. Um, but beyond that, we're going to try and load up on share buyback because we see this as a, as a great value and a great opportunity uh, as we see the market start to recover in commercial aerospace. You know, Greg, a lot of people felt that after what happened with the pandemic, that maybe the hand that you gave shareholders with Raytheon, uh, and, uh, obviously you're spinning, you spun off uh, elevators, Otis, and you spun off Carrier, that maybe it would have been better to keep them all together because then you wouldn't have been hurt so badly by aerospace. That was not the case, was it? Look, the decision to spin off Otis and Carrier as standalone public companies was to unlock the value in those businesses and to provide focus. What we wanted to do strategically was create an aerospace and defense company that was 100% focused on that marketplace. At the same time, letting you know, Judy Marks over at Otis and Dave Gitlin at, at Carrier focus on their businesses. And they've done a tremendous job. I think we've unlocked a lot of value. If you take a look at the businesses today, they're both valued around $35 billion. That's a lot of value creation just by doing the spins. And frankly, um, the conglomerate, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's something that's a, it's time has, has come and gone. And focus is really, I think, what's more important. So diversification, if you want it, you can buy the S&P 500. If you want focus, you can buy individual stocks. And that's really what the, what the strategy was all about. Yeah. Well, Greg, it's David. Well, you're going to live and die based on that strategy. Uh, speaking of one of your central businesses, of course, commercial aviation, where are you in terms of your thoughts about a true recovery there? How many years are we looking out until we get back to sort of normal? Well, I guess the question is, what is the new normal with the, with the office of the future and people working remotely? But our view is you're going to see a, a, a gradual recovery. It'll come first on the domestic markets and then lastly on the international you know, if you think about it, domestic travel was down about 50%, but international was down about 75%. And so in the first recovery, as the vaccines become available, you're going to see that in the U.S. You're going to see a gradual recovery uh, into the second, third, and fourth quarter of this year. Probably not back to normal levels of domestic travel, we think, until late next year, late 2023, when the vaccine is fully available. International, probably 2024. And again, it, you have to kind of unpack that international piece and think about that. You know, 70% of all air traffic is for leisure. That will come back more quickly. The business piece, that 30%, probably half of that is essential travel where people have to go out to meet with customers. The other half is, uh, is more uh, subject to what's going to happen in the, in the marketplace um, with the, some of these companies. But, again, we think that's probably a 2024 uh, before we see a full recovery uh, of the international traffic. So it's, it's, it's got a ways to go. Yeah. And many of us have those questions about business travel, to your point, how much of it will, how much of what was the, the case will fully return. Um, one area, though, that seems to be potentially poised for growth is space. And, I, and, you know, I'm curious. I read a long article yesterday in The New York Times about our space race with the Chinese who, uh, you know, are coming up with lasers to disable our satellites and lots of other things. I mean, how significant is that? Uh, and what is it going to mean for, for your various product offerings, I guess, that are classified but are still potentially going to be bought by the U.S. government? Yeah, so space is one of those unique areas where we're going to continue to see growth for the next five to ten years. You know, we're uniquely positioned. Uh, this is the legacy Raytheon space business in terms of our communications and our sensing capabilities. That is the ability of satellites to monitor 
what's going on on the ground. It's uh, also it's processing all the data coming off of those satellites. We do that within our uh, Raytheon information and space business. But we see a lot of growth there. In fact, we just closed on an acquisition of Blue Canyon Technologies. This is a small satellite company. Uh, it gives us the ability to give a complete solution to our customers for low Earth orbit satellites, which, again, we see huge growth there. And the other part of, of space you have to keep in mind is um, there is a lot of threat in terms of you talk about lasers, uh, ways to disable our satellites. What you need is redundancy. And that's why we think there's going to be such good growth prospects in space is because you have to have redundant systems and you have to have replenishable systems that you can put up at a moment's notice if you lose a satellite. So, again, we've got a, a great position there with our sensing and our comms ability. And uh, I see that as a, as a big growth opportunity. Uh, Greg, there are a lot of people who believe that when Democrats take over, uh, military spending ceases or goes down a lot. I've always felt when Democrats take over, they do a little bit more uh, on software, basically, let's call it that, and a little bit less on hardware, particularly trying to make it so that we're not penetrated uh, by, let's say, the Chinese. Uh, I know that they can jam us. If they jam us, then we're not going to be able to defend Taiwan. What can you do to prevent jamming? So we have some unique capabilities in our Collins uh, business as well as in our, our legacy Raytheon comms business that allows us to do something called frequency hopping, that allows us to avoid uh, that jamming capability that uh, the adversary has. Uh, these are, are pretty unique capabilities. Uh, can't really go into a lot of the details other than to say that uh, in a denied environment, that is a place where there is jamming going on, we have the ability to continue to have uh, active communications uh, across all of the services. You know, interoperability is the key, right? It's, it's taking all that comm system in these denied environments and making sure you can still get the warfighter the information that he needs, be that from a satellite, be that from an airplane, or be that from a ground station. My question, of uh, one of the things that I'm trying to get a lot of people to ask about, we talked about in the previous show, there has been a lot of cost-cutting, uh, which does mean, unfortunately, layoffs. I know that you took a pay cut. But one of the things that your company is famous for is putting people through school. Uh, you've always been one of, I think, after the U.S. government. I don't know anyone else has put more people through school. Is that something you've cut back in all the other cutbacks you've made? So, look, we had some very, very tough cost actions. You know, we had to you know, reduce our workforce by you know, roughly 21,000 positions last year uh, as the volumes disappeared. You know, we lost $13 billion of revenue. Really, really tough story. But what we didn't cut were two things. One is the technology investment in the future and the investment in our people in the future. And so we've kept our employee scholar program. We've now had nearly 40,000 people uh, go through that program to earn their degree, whether that's their bachelor's, whether that's their master's, whether that's their PhD. And investing in people is going to be one of the areas that we're going to continue to make sure that we differentiate ourselves in. It's, it is the way of the future. You, you have to continue to be learning every single day. And we value that employee scholar program, and we think it's a, a model for other companies to follow. And I wanted to know, uh, do you think it's right to be able to say that there's two halves this year? There's the pre-vaccine and the post-vaccine, because we have these airlines were kept alive. And if we get post-vaccine, then I think we get post-spend. If we get post-spend, we get a lot of money for uh, for Raytheon. Is that a correct way to look at the company? So, look, you know, as you think about 2021, what you're going to have is, I would say, a tale of two worlds. There is the first quarter which is going to be, you know, a very, very tough compare. You've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of new cases of COVID every day in the country and across the globe. And you're going to see, I think, a very, especially since last year's first quarter was not impacted by COVID, 
a very, very tough compare. But once that vaccine is out there, once it's widely available, um, what we expect is a, is a recovery in our aftermarket uh, of about 10% per quarter compounded. So second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. And so I think you're going to have a, a, a very strong back half of the year, uh, but that's only after a very tough first quarter. And that's really the way we're planning this. And nothing uh, has indicated that the vaccine rollout is going to slow down. In fact, we, we see it accelerating across the country, over a million people a day getting vaccinated, and that number is growing. The number of vaccines is, is also growing. We think the J&J vaccine should be here shortly. Uh, all those things are positive signs uh, towards herd immunity. Greg, I want to come back to this talent question. You mentioned paying for people's uh, uh, education, you know, and I mentioned the Chinese in my earlier question to you. I mean, they're a formidable foe in some areas. Obviously, I know we still sell things to them. You used to run a business that sold a lot of elevators to them. But, you know, do you have access to the talent you need? Uh, Can you get a hold of the scientists you need, particularly in light of this sort of global competition we're talking about with the likes of the Chinese who are advancing very quickly? Yeah, so if you think about our workforce, roughly 190,000 folks working for Raytheon across the globe, uh, about 60,000 of those are engineers, and we continue to hire. And we have been very fortunate. Um, in the past year, we've hired about 5,000 people into the engineering workforce and, and program support. And we have not had an issue. I think, you know, again, Raytheon, we, we view ourselves as a very attractive uh, employer, uh, not just from the educational uh, advances, but the technology and the mission that we have of protecting the warfighter, defending democracy, connecting the world. Uh, those are powerful uh, motivators for our people. And uh, I have not seen an issue whatsoever of trying to attract or retain talent. And that's, uh, that will continue to be an important uh, component as we think about the next couple of years. Well, Greg, it's great to see you. Obviously, uh, you're coming from remote. I, I'm going to say it. You look great, my friend. You lost some weight. You look great. You're not supposed to say that stuff, but what the heck? Why not? All right? Why not? Thanks, Jim. Take care, everyone. Appreciate it. Absolutely great. Congratulations on a great quarter. Uh, Good to talk to you, Greg Hayes, CEO of Raytheon Technologies. Thanks, Jim. Raytheon, the second biggest S&P gainer right now, right behind GE. Pretty big morning for industrials. Speaking of which, uh, we'll talk to 3M's Mike Roman in the next hour about the quarter and the pandemic. Stay with us. There he is, Yasser al-Rumayan, runs the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, some 400 billion, and they're talking about doubling it in the next five years. He will be our guest in the next hour of Squawking the Street. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Uh, Rare disappointment, Rockwell Automation, down 10. Let's find out why. Maybe it's an opportunity. Uh, Busy day. We packed a lot into 60 minutes, Jim. We'll see you tonight. Okay. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.